Uh, such a wonderful pleasure to be here again with you this morning on Sunday morning at New Hope. At New Hope. Um, God is good. Oh, come on now. God is good. <laughs> and all the time. Amen. We are in the book of Acts this morning. So if you have your word, please turn to the book of Acts. Got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts fifth book of the New Testament here. I'd like to all encourage you to uh, bring your Bibles, bring your phones, or whatever you use for uh, looking at the Word of God. Of course, if you don't, we'll have it up here for you. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises. God will always keep his promise, and I and we are empowered to stand on them. God will always keep his promise. And we, I, am empowered to stand on them. This is part of a, a series that we're doing called uh, This is How We Do It, okay? In the book of Acts, because you see, God made the church and gave an example of the church to us in the book of Acts. So we're um, going to be in the book of Acts for a while, and we'll take major points from every chapter as we continue together. Amen? Amen. So God will always keep his promise, and we are empowered to stand on them. Have you ever made a promise to someone? Or has anybody ever made a promise to you? I remember officiating a wedding a while ago, and um, I had the couple to recite, recite the vows. And, and I said, these are your solemn and sacred promises to God regarding your marriage. They are to be true from this day forward. These vows are a commitment that you are making before God and his people. I had the groom repeat after me. I take you to be my wife, to love you, to respect you, and to protect you, abandoning all others and dedicating myself to you only. Then I had the bride repeat after me. I take you to be my husband. I promise to be faithful to you, in prosperous times and in adverse times, in healthy times and in times of sickness, to love and respect you every day of my life. How wonderful. How sweet. How very difficult to do. Being married isn't easy to do. I've been married, it's going to be 20 years this December, right? 20 years. I was, married. I was a young man when I got married. I'm still a young man. <laughs> Just because my name is Young, that's, that's it. <laughs> it's very hard to do marriage. Both are sinners, both are selfish, both are human, and both are tempted to sin. You have to fight against the enemy and yourself every day in marriage. Every day. 
to be dedicated, to be respectful, to protect, to be faithful. These are not easy things to do. Some may say, oh, my wife, oh, my husband, they're so wonderful. It's easy. It's easy to keep my promises. How easy is it? Jesus died for his bride. Jesus died for his bride. He died for us, the church, to keep his promise that he gave to us. He died. That doesn't seem easy to me. Hmm. Can I be honest with you? Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> We need to die to ourselves every day <laughs> in order to keep the promises that we make to each other, that we make to our spouse, that we make to our friends, that we make to our co-workers, that we make to our church body. We need to die every day. Jesus called us to die. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's what Jesus said. Here in this passage today, though, um, the promises of God to his people. These are the promises of God to his people. The promise of the Holy Spirit given to the church. God never goes back on his promises. The word of God records 3,573 promises. Amazing. And God never failed on one of them. He hasn't failed. He will never fail. The first promise is found in Genesis 3.15. Actually, even this morning, I found another one before that. But we're going to go with this one, okay? The first promise here says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the promise, of course, of Jesus, the Messiah, coming to save us. And then we go all the way to the book of Revelation. Revelation 22.20, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Of course, this again is the promise that after he came, Jesus will come again. I believe the greatest promise to me, the greatest promise is in John 3.16. It's found there and it's fulfilled there. We say together, come on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The promise of everlasting life with those who believe in God. We are here this morning to look at a specific promise from the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is the promise to send the Holy Spirit to us believers here after Jesus ascended to heaven. It is found in Acts 1, which I had you turn to, uh, verses 4 through 8. And so let's stand together. And I'm going to read the word of God. We do this in reverence for the word of God. We stand when we read the word. Acts 1, verse 4 through 8. And being assembled, this is Jesus, and being assembled together with them, the believers there, 
he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons for which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. I love that. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But you shall receive power. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bless you this day. We thank you this day that you haven't left us abandoned to be orphans, that you haven't left us powerless to sit and to wonder, but you have given us the Holy Spirit. You have given us power, the power to stand, the power to stand over any evil thing, for you love us so. And so right now, as we go through your word, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to absorb this word, to not only to absorb it, not only to listen, but to do your word, because we have the power. We have your power, and we can do nothing without it. We ask this in the name of Jesus, we all say, amen. amen. You may be seated. The book of Acts, it was written by Luke. Okay, now this book was, um, Luke was a doctor. He was a physician, the beloved physician. And he was a slave. He was a slave. Back in those days, doctors weren't making a whole lot of money. <laughs> but the way they could make money and make a living is that they could actually get associated or become a slave to a wealthy man. And so Theophilus was his boss. He was, his, he was the wealthy man. And what Theophilus um, wanted is like, okay, I'm going to send you with Jesus so you can go and be with him. So, but here's the deal. You got to write back to me. You got to write back to me and tell me what's going on because I'm a believer too. I want to know what's going on. So Luke was employed by this as a personal physician to this man, Theophilus, he sent them to walk with Jesus, and he is giving an account of what is going on, sending it back to Theophilus, his master. And so that's Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and, but we start with Acts here, which is kind of like Luke 2. Okay, it is, it is the, uh, it's the vision there where this is kind of like the second book after Jesus ascended. Now that Jesus is ascended, we start with the book of Acts, which starts at the church. You with me? Now, the main passage or the main thought in Luke is chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit, when you say power, that's dudamos power. That, that is the power to be able, the power of, of God, the Holy Spirit. A great power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the gift of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of that gift is power. What kind of power is it? Deutimus power. It is the power of God to bring others to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is its main feature. We have power not just so we can be strong. We have power so not that we can lord over people. We have power because it is the power of God to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the power that exists in the Holy Spirit. Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. What is it? What is the power? It is the power of God to do signs, and wonders in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, in that day, there was a lot of that going on. People being raised from the dead. I mean, people being healed. And, and all of this, all these things were happening. That was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. First through Jesus, now through the church, through the body of Christ. Most of all, though, let's go to Galatians 5. Most of all, though, it is the power to love. The power to love. Galatians 5, and 23, you know it if you're believers. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I like the first one there. Agape, love, sacrificial love. The power to love others. And then out of these come the other things. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So without the Spirit of God, we can't do anything. Without the Spirit of God, you can't do anything. We don't have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. We don't have the power. The power to stand. We just be sitting there looking. Uh, I'm just sleepy. <laughs> we don't have the power if we don't have the spirit of God. I want to talk about standing today. Standing in the power of God. Of course, now, it's a physical stance. Yes, you can physically stand, but God is telling us to spiritually stand. To stand with the Spirit of God. Because if you don't stand with the Spirit of God, you're empty. I, rem I recall one of the saddest, uh, I'm going on a tangent here, y'all help me. I recall one of the, one of the saddest, saddest moments in the Bible. Samson got his hair all cut off. He was there laying down. And then, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Get up. And he thought he would get up like he did before and to conquer the Philistines. But he had forgot that the power, the spirit of the Lord had left him. Yes. So we can't stand. Well, of course, you know the rest of the story. He ends up getting his eyes plucked out. 
he ends up grinding at the meal. And then he has a victory when a little boy leads him to the two posts and, it, and the walls came tumbling down, right? And killed more than he had ever killed before. But the point is, he did not have the power of God. Without the Spirit of God, we can't do anything. We don't have the fruit of Spirit, which is love. So we're here today to talk about standing. There are so many obstacles against Christians today. But we have a job. And I believe that that job is first individual. The Spirit of God came to individuals. All of us are called. Now, we like to say, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, it's the, it's the church's job to be a witness. But it's first individual. It is your job to be a witness. Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You, you, and you, and you, and you, and you. It is not necessarily the responsibility of the body of Christ. Because we want to blame the church. We want to say, well, you know, that's the church's job. Oh, well, you know, we want to send you and say, well, yeah, that's nice. I'll give. But that's the church's job. It is your job, your responsibility. It is individual where you are. Where are you? What is your vocation? What do you do? Are you a janitor? Are you a tax collector? Are you a teacher? Are, are you a lawyer? I'm just looking at, I'm looking at people and just, are you a pastor? <laughs> it is your job and you're to rise up you're to stand and be a witness for Jesus Christ yes. you, you, you yes. no matter who you are witness, okay now, we, now what does witness mean witness means in the original Greek we take it from the word martyrs, what we usually call in our English language, martyr. Uh-oh. You mean those who suffer and die? It is individual. So, are you willing to die for what you believe? Now, I was careful when I wrote this. I don't want to be too political. But let's get to the meat of the subject. Are you willing to die? We are in a climate, a culture, where we are losing our children. We're losing them to radical groups. Why? I'm speaking to you adults here. Could it be that the church of Jesus Christ lacks power? Lacks, now, I'm not saying that the power is not there. The power is there. It's just we don't want to tap into it. We don't want to lose it. Where is the power? And we are afraid to stand up. For Jesus. We're afraid to stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it shall not suffer loss. From victory to victory, his army shall he lead till every soul is vanquished, every soul is captured, and Christ is Lord 
indeed. Our children are watching us at home make compromises. They're watching us at work make compromises. They're watching us in public make compromises. We compromise our faith in God while our children watch us. But then, they see radicals. Now, when I say radicals, I'm not necessarily, I, I am talking about those who blow up buildings and blow up people along with them and take their own lives. Yes. But what about the radicals in their schools that are saying, ah, Jesus isn't real. And then they go home and they say, you're right, Jesus isn't real. I can see it. Hmm. Ouch. If you can't say it to yourself, I'm going to say it for you. Ouch. I know. And us, we don't stand up for what we believe. No wonder they're being caught up in the lie. Yes. If you're going to be an effective witness, martyr, for the Lord Jesus, you must be willing to stand. Yes. We need to take a stand. Amen, church? Yes. We need to be willing to stand. We need to stand in the promises of God over 3,500 of them and counting that God has given to us. Jesus wants to teach us this morning how to stand on his promises. So how do we do that? If you're taking notes this morning, there are three things that I want to talk about. Three concepts that I want to bring to your attention. How do we stand? First of all, we stand with confidence. We stand with confidence. And then... We stand with courage. And then we stand with assurance. Stand with confidence. Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted for as sheep for slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors <laughs> through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Love the words of Paul. He just put it all there. It's all there. Nothing can separate us. Nothing will separate you. Paul says we are more than what? Conquerors. We are warriors <laughs> that have won. We fight from victory. We don't fight for victory. It's already done. It is finished. Amen? When I think of a warrior, uh, forgive me, I like to think of Captain America and Wonder Woman. You got that picture up there? There they are. Both of them grossing millions and millions of dollars in the box office, by the way. Wonder Woman most, uh, most recently. Look at them. Do they look like they're scared? 
they got the full armor on. She's got her sword of the spirit there. She's got the shield, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. Can't see their feet, but I'm sure their feet are, are shod with the preparation of the gospel. Amen? Yes. This is you. Now, I know I don't look like Captain America. My son kind of is a darker version of Captain America. When we were younger, we probably looked a little bit like this. But it doesn't, it doesn't get you, you, the responsibility is still there. You don't look like this, that's fine. But the responsibility, you see, in our spiritual bodies, we're, we're, that's what we are. I can't even imagine. It's probably 10, 15, and 20, and millions times better than this. But when we get our bodies, you're going to see who we are. You're going to see what God has been working on in our new house. There's a battle going on around us sometimes every day. I know most of you can say, my battle is every day. Physical, mental, spiritual emotional, psychological. It's every day. It is plaguing me. I know some of you personally. It's plaguing me. Sometimes to the point where we, we feel that we can't stand. It's rough. But here's the promise. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is through Christ Jesus. You are more than conquerors. You can stand on that promise. Nothing is going to be able to separate you from God. If you can't be separated from God, then you can stand. The same kind of confidence that you saw in those pictures using the gifts that God has given to you to be a witness for him. You can do it. And we have another example in chapter 2. Let's turn there. Chapter 2 is right over just one chapter. The Holy Spirit comes to the body and starts to speak. In, they start to speak in tongues. And the Bible says that the crowd is amazed and perplexed. And some state, they start to mock the Christians. Oh, they're drunk. They've had too much of that um, wine in the bag there. They, they, they've had, they had too much of those wine skins. Yeah, you can tell that they're drunk. But Peter stands with confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit and delivers the first sermon of the newly established church. What is the result? Here's the result, verse 40 and 41. And with many other words, he, Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received, gladly received his word, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, we can go a little bit deeper into this and say, 3,000 souls, okay. 3,000 promises. Any coincidence there? Amazing. Amazing. Not only can we stand with confidence, we can stand with courage. In Acts chapter 6, chapter 6 and 7, we see 
the story of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. He was one of the seven chosen to serve the widows that were neglected in the daily distribution of goods. Verse 5 in chapter 6 says, And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. There it is. He was filled with faith. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says, verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith, there it is, okay, in our word, and power, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So the synagogue leaders there, the church leaders, (laughs) the priest, they hated him. Couldn't stand Stephen because he was full of wisdom and he, he had power. And they started to plan against them. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Have you ever had anybody plan against you and what you're trying to do when you know you're directed by the Holy Spirit to do this particular thing? They started to plan against them. They started to say, he speaks blasphemous words against Moses, our father, and against God. He blasphemes God. So they brought him to the council, and they put him on trial. And as he was there on trial, his face was glowing like the face of an angel. There was no doubt that he was the anointed of God and that he was speaking. And then Stephen, much like Peter, he gives a sermon recalling the history of Israel and their resistance to God. And he ends the sermon by stating, in verse 51, this is what he says, starting there. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so you. Which of the prophets did your father not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, Jesus, of whom you now have become betrayers, and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have kept it when they heard these things. Hmm, you have not kept it. Yeah, thank you. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Oh, you're talking about us. And they gnashed their teeth at him. But he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven with courage. I like to say with courage. And he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right, standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Could you imagine? This is the picture. They got rocks. They're going to shove them out there and they're going to stone him. While he's being stoned, he looks into heaven and sees Jesus. What courage. What power. The Holy Spirit was all over him that day. He probably didn't even feel any pain. I'm there. I'm looking at the Lord. What pain? Interesting. Not feeling pain. Keeping your eyes open fixed on Jesus. Stephen took a stand with courage. What about you? Stephen took a stand. Peter took a stand with confidence. 
What about you? He died there, Stephen, looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith. And he would be the next moment with Jesus. Amen? This brings us to our third point. Stand with assurance. Are you willing to die? Are you willing to stand with assurance that you will be with Christ no matter what happens? Even if I die, I will be with Christ. Fanny Crosby, uh, (laughs) love Fanny Crosby, inspired by the Holy Spirit in 1873, penned these words, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior, all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, look from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Verse 3, let's sing it. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, bring from above. Filled with his goodness, lost in his love. This is my story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Are you willing to die? Come on now. Are you willing to die? For the gospel of Jesus Christ. Knowing that we will see him if we do. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8 One thing that we need to understand is that this call to be a witness, this is not a suggestion. Uh Uh-oh. Ouch. This is not, oh, if you want to, you can do this if you want to be a witness. It is a, it's a command. Yes. <laughs> he says, you will be my witnesses. Yes. It is a command. You will be this. You will be that. You were born. You were created to yes. do this. Be a witness. Not only that, but we learned this morning that he, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he entered us and gifts us to be witnesses. It is prophetic also. You will do this. 
You will be this. You will do this. He has filled us with the power. The power of the Spirit of God is upon us. We stand with confidence. We stand with courage. And we stand with assurance. Ephesians 6, 10, verses 10 through 13. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Let's stand together.